Um, yeah, like, so listen, we're in this series, uh, which we've titled, Here Comes Heaven. And, and it's paradoxical in, in nature, because this season of Advent is the space of, of, of waiting, right? Advent means arrival. We're waiting for the arrival of a very uh, special and significant person. Um, but the reason that we are in this space of waiting is because he has already arrived, and, and so we're in this now and not yet kind of a space. We're in the space in which we have, we have hope that Jesus will arrive. That whatever space you, you, you find yourself in, whatever situation uh, you find yourself in in life, whatever, if it's, it's a point of longing or it's a point of joy, right, you have this hope that Jesus will arrive and be present with you in that space. Why? Because he has arrived. And so Advent is this, for me, I mean, it is, is absolutely my favorite season on the church calendar. I'm gonna, when Easter comes, I'm going to say it's my favorite season then, too. I have two favorites. Um, but it's my favorite season on the calendar because it just is this beautiful picture of we're in the, the darkest time of the calendar. And we celebrate a great light. And it's the space in which we say, you know, it, it's the days are getting... Um, shorter, the nights are getting longer, it's getting darker sooner, but we have a hope that the light is coming. And it, it really is this powerful season in which we say, you know what? Yes, here comes heaven. Here comes heaven. Wherever you find yourself, you can have hope. Heaven is on the way. Heaven, because heaven has already made his home amongst you. Heaven already dwells with you. And I wanted this morning to talk about this in the context of prayer. We're going to be reading through um, the story of Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5. But what I hope to stir amongst us and continue to stir amongst us is this. Keep on laboring in prayer because here comes heaven. Do not give up in continuing in your prayers because heaven is on the way. And we sang it together already this morning, right? Like, we let heaven come. Let heaven come amongst us. And the other song, right, we sang was, O come, Emmanuel, come and ransom captive Israel. This morning is to encourage us to pray because God, God longs to arrive here and we long to see heaven intersect earth. Let's read Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, like I said, starting at verse 5. It is going to be a, a larger section of Scripture. It says this. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the... I always, can I just pause for a second? This is random aside. I always just think of... Like, the, the scriptures were written... And the people of God read them together. And I just imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth just like looking at this and going, like, thanks, did you have to add the very in there? Like, you were very old. 
Anyways, nothing to do with the sermon. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Let's just go ahead and go forward from here. The first thing that I want to point is, um, to is that on this passage, what you find is that there's the grand scale of human history mingled beautifully with the personal prayers of an individual. The opening of Luke's gospel account, when you read Luke chapter 1 and 2, what you find is that Luke is giving us a really big vista He's, he's painting this landscape for us, and it is filled with century-long prayers. It is filled with, with what's happening on the global scene, right? Even here, as he opens up this passage in Luke chapter 5, he says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. And here in this space, he's even, there's, there's this tension that's involved here, right? Like it's the rule of Rome, and it's the Jewish priest. It's this, this grand scale, and it's God arriving in the space of human history. God is operating in the big picture of human history, right? This is a history-making space. This is a pivotal moment for all of humanity, and I think it's important to stop and to rejoice in the fact God is moving on a grand scale. And we want God to move in this way. We want God to move in a redemptive way across the vast landscape of humanity. We want God to work in governments and nations. We want God to work in, 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 in our local cities, in our state. We want to see God change systems and structures in a way that brings hope and goodness to the world around us, right? We want God to move on this vast scale. And here in the opening pages of Luke's account, it is this good news, it's this great joy that's for the world. He is moving in this powerful way. But while God is moving on a macro scale, it doesn't mean that he isn't intimately involved in the small details of our life. Luke here in this passage weaves together the story of God working on a macro level and with God answering the prayers of a very old couple. God has heard their prayer and has, God, and has brought good news for them 
personally. I love the way that N.T. Wright phrases it. He just says this. He says, when this God acts on the large scale, he takes care of smaller human concerns as well. I was thinking about this in the story of, of, of creation. When you, when you read in, in Genesis 1 and 2, what you find is that God is speaking the world. He's, he's crafting the world. Right? He's, he's, he's creating valleys, and he's, he's, he's shaping mountains, and he's, and he's calling, creating boundaries for the waters. But that also doesn't stop him from getting down in the dirt and getting up close. And in the words there are just, he breathes life into humanity. And there from the opening pages of Scripture, what you find is that God is, is able to govern over, to hover over all of the affairs of human history. But he's not so big that he also can't get down into our own personal space. That he's there and he's intimately involved what's happening. While God is governing the large panorama of human affairs, he is still very very present with you. If you think about this morning's passage, I also want you to think about these three concentric circles, is that you have this picture of God working on this macro level. You have God working on this vast space where, where he's doing something that's history-making. It's shaping all of human history. But then you can come in a little bit tighter and what you see that he's doing something amongst a people. He's doing something amongst a community. And you know, I, I wish, and maybe there is out there, I wish that there was what, what I would call a y'all translation of the Bible. And, and the reason I, I, I would love that is because when you read through the pages of Scripture, there is so often when you read the word you, I would love it if it was replaced with y'all. Because, man, the early church understood what it was to be a people. They understood what it was to be a community. And there's something that I think that we would gain that if we read through the pages of Scripture with this lens that God is speaking to us as a people, that there would be something so much more dynamic that's involved there. And I think that, that, that the blessing behind that is that we would continue to be encouraged to realize that God is playing in so many more places than we realize. Because it isn't just a word written to me. And when I come across this word, you, I so often just immediately put Vince in there rather than y'all. I mean, when you look at, and it's up on the screen, you'll see that what, what Luke's intentionally crafting here is that, that this is a word that's written to a community. Right? Let's start in verse 10. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And, and it's, it's this powerful imagery that Luke is crafting here for us. He is capturing... I don't know how often... Well, let me back up. 
in, in, when you read, uh, particularly in, in Exodus chapter 30, you'll see that God gives instructions to the nation of Israel that, that Aaron, who was the high priest at the time, and then from that point on, his line is, is meant to daily light the, uh, the incense at the altar of incense. That this was a daily thing that they did. And every morning they would go in at that time into the tabernacle, that, that tent that was set up in the wilderness. And they would light the altar of incense in the morning, and then later on in the, in, before evening, they would light the altar of incense. And so it was to be this constant uh, altar that was lit, and it was to symbolize the prayers of the people of Israel being lifted up, going over the curtain, and landing into the Holy of Holies. And so this was a daily action that was happening here, and so it's, in, in, it's absolutely intriguing to me that, that when, you, when you look at Luke writing here, he says that a great crowd out, out, uh, stood outside praying. And the reason that that's so intriguing to me is that it gets my imagination running. Was this a daily action of the people of Israel? We don't have any answer. We don't know if this was a normal thing that every day that one of the, the, that the priests would go in to light the altar of incense... Uh, inside of the holy place that a great crowd would normally gather. And if not, what happened in this day? There's not anything that really clues you in to that today was some kind of special day and that people were anticipating something unique to happen in this day in particular. And I think that what Luke is doing here is that he's causing us to realize almost like that cloud of witness that's written about in the book of Hebrews. It's, the, it's, it's like he's capturing for us that there has been a community of people that have been regularly praying that God would arrive amongst them. And, and, and as, as Zechariah is there at the altar of incense, he is surrounded by the prayers of God's people. He is surrounded by the prayers of a people. And, and, and the very likely prayer that's being lifted is we want to see the Messiah come. We want to see heaven, the kingdom of heaven, arrive here amongst us. And so and that's why the, the words are, are from Gabriel to, to Zechariah. Speaking of, of his son John, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. This is, this is a nation prayer. This is a community prayer. You read this in the book of Exodus. This is where Zechariah is at. Let me just give you a little bit of imagery. The instruction to the people of Israel when they were to, to, to craft the, the tabernacle and then later on the temple of the Lord is place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant in front of the Ark's cover, the place of atonement that covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of covenant. I will meet with you there. Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn the fragrant incense of the altar. And each evening when he lights the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Here, here's the imagery. 
is that there was, in, there was a space that was the Holy of Holies. That was where the Ark of the Covenant was, and it was this understanding that, that God's glory descended on the tabernacle, and that specifically where is where he was dwelling. And then there was this, this veil, there was this curtain that was set up, and just outside of that curtain was the altar of incense. That's where Zechariah is at. He, he is in a space that is, in, from, the, this, from the understanding of the time, as close as humanity could get to just being submerged in the presence of God. Is this, is this powerful picture that you just see where Zechariah is at right now? And what's, what's intriguing is that when you read the instructions about the altar of incense, it's a bunch of, it's, it's, it's specific spices, and it says that it's mingled with pure frankincense. And so when, when, when then later on, when you read about the gifts that the Magi come and bring to Jesus, one of the gifts is frankincense. Let this, let this just like, let your imagination just run wild for a moment. I just think about Mary taking some of that frankincense and putting it on Jesus. And it's this incredible imagery where Jesus smells like the altar of incense. He, he smells like those prayers that are being lifted up in the most holy place. I, I can imagine that as, as, as people visited the infant Jesus, you, talk about, you think of Mary and how she so often pondered things in her heart, and you just think about her holding Jesus and him smelling like frankincense and that being the smell of the prayers of God's people, it gives you a greater understanding of Jesus being our intercessor. It just, it just gives you this, this vividness of, of how he's constantly making intercession on our behalf. That, that he has the aroma of the Holy of Holies. Zechariah stood just outside the Holy of Holies. It was this altar that was always aflame. And it was this reminder that God is ever-present with his people. This is where I will meet with y'all. this is where I'm going to hear your prayers. The prayers of y'all, you as a people. God sees the longing of his people. He sees what they have been praying as a community. And I tell you that there is something powerful about our prayers. There is a unique joy to, to labor together with others 
for a common cause and to see those prayers answered. There, there is something that is so precious about a people coming together and praying for the same thing. And I think that what's so powerful about those spaces is that these kind of prayers, these community prayers, they unite us together. They, they bring us together in which we're all hoping and believing and longing for the same thing. I think they, they shape us to be a people who have longing and concern for others. That we're, what we're not just hoping for is for our own individual spaces. And those, those are great things to be bringing before the Lord, but there's something about when you pray together that, that causes a, a concern, a compassion, and empathy to arrive within your heart for others. They open our eyes to God at work in the world around us. Suddenly when you be begin to pray together as a people, all of a sudden you begin to see that God is moving in ways that you wouldn't have recognized had you not been praying with others. We as a family make it a habit that every, every time that we sit around the dinner table together, it's a really simple time of prayer, but grace for us, that prayer of grace before the meals, we just simply say, thank you God for, and then we just go around and we say something simple that we're grateful for. A lot of times when it's Mexican food, it's just like, God, thank you for, for Mexicans <laughs> and giving them the creativity to make this food, right? Like that, and that's, those are so often my prayers. And then, and then it'll go to the boys and it's something like, it's like, thank you for farts. Like, it's just like, like, thank you for dogs. And it's just like, it'll be these most random things that they'll just come up with. And then it goes to Larissa and it's usually like, like, thank you for refugees. I mean, just her heart is just so stinking incredible. But when it's that space in which we're praying together as a family, we, I, I hear prayers being lifted that I would have likely just have never prayed on my own. Thank you for dogs. Like, yeah, thank you for dogs. They're great. <laughs> I, like, but it's, it's this, there's something about praying together that opens up our eyes to the way that God is moving in the world around us. These kinds of prayers teach us to rejoice in the blessings that others receive. When you, when you have these community-type prayers and you see these prayers that are answered on behalf of others and there is a rejoicing that happens in your heart and there in that space, your heart is being shaped in, a, in, a, in an incredible kind of way where it's learning to rejoice in the blessings that others are experiencing. And we have a greater endurance in our prayers because there's a collective effort and encouragement that's taking place in these kind of prayers. When we pray together, we usually pray longer. When we pray together, we usually pray for an extended season of time. And there's something about these community types of prayers that encourage us, keep on praying. Keep on praying. And I wonder when, when, the, when the Apostle Paul writes to us to pray without ceasing, if that's another y'all translation. Church, 
pray without ceasing. And when you think about it, the church, the body of Christ, has been praying without ceasing for thousands of years because it's a y'all. These prayers are being lifted by us. There are community prayers. So again, those circles, right? There's this global, vast way in which God is moving. There's these community prayers. God is working in, amongst a people, and then he's working in the lives of individuals. We have in our life these lifelong prayers. While God is answering the prayers of the people of Israel, he's doing so by answering the personal prayer of this faithful couple. Michael Card, in his um, commentary on, on the book of, of Luke, has this observation, and I've seen some other commentaries um, that have made this same observation, and you can have this quote come up on, on this slide there. It says, on the day in question, Zechariah draws the third lot. This means that he will have the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to enter the sanctuary and burn incense. This is his one time in his life that he's going to be standing at the altar of incense. And you, you can probably imagine the prayers that are, that are being lifted by Zechariah in this moment. Because Luke tells us that his wife Elizabeth had been barren and they were very old. If this is that one moment that you have, this is that one space in your life in which you're going to be standing there in front of the altar of incense as, as a priest of Israel? Can you just imagine how much you're just sitting in that moment? Soaking everything in, and can you imagine that he's, as he's lighting this altar of incense, can you imagine right there in that space, him just saying before the Lord, oh Lord, that Elizabeth would have a child. And, and in that moment, It's absolutely precious what God orchestrates. The angel Gabriel appears and he says, God has heard your prayer. And I'm not so sure about the translation in this one. Maybe there's something more than y'all that's this multi-layered kind of a statement that God has heard your prayer as a people, but it's also infused with this. God has heard your prayer, Zechariah. God has heard you. And I wonder if that prayer word is more than just this one space in time kind of a moment prayer. God has heard your prayers. God has heard your lifelong prayer. And friends, there is so much delight in the words of Gabriel to Zechariah. You see what he tells him? He says, you will have great joy and gladness. God has heard your prayer, 
and you will have great joy and gladness. Aren't you grateful that that is the response from heaven to your prayers? That this is what God's motive is. This is what God's delight is. This is what God longs to do for you. God has heard your prayer, and what he longs to do in your life is joy and gladness. That's what he wants to bring you to. That's the way that he wants to answer your prayers, is that there will be joy and gladness in your life. Here comes heaven. And God's intentions for you are to have joy and gladness. What I, actually, what I want to do for us, because I want to make space um, for this time, is I've, I've got some candles um, that are up here. And because I, I just, I absolutely just fell in love with the picture of Zechariah lighting up the altar of incense and standing there in that moment and God telling him, I've heard your prayers. I've heard your prayer. That, that this candle becomes this tangible representation, this tangible demonstration of, of our prayers mingling with the presence of God. And, and the, the beautiful gift to us is that that curtain isn't there anymore. And, and, and the holy of holies, the abiding presence of Jesus is here with you now. You can almost smell the frankincense. You are closer than Zechariah was in that moment. Right here, right now. Because of the work of Jesus. And, and so what I, what I just hope for us to do is I'm, um, we're going to have uh, receive communion together and then as af after you take some bread and um, dip it in the cup and, and partake of communion, if you would like, um, I just have some candles here that I would love for you to just take a moment and linger. That you could just you light a candle and whatever those lifelong prayers are, that you would have a space to just sit and pray. You'd have a moment to bring those before the Lord. Whatever those spaces of longing are, whatever those spaces are of, of just saying, God, I, I, I would love to see you do this or be with me in this way. And then we would have just a collection of our prayers there in front of us as a people. And then after we take some time to do that, then I'll come back up and we'll have a time to, to pray collectively. Y'all, y'all prayers, I don't know how to phrase that in the correct grammar, but y'all prayers um, will be lifted together. Jesus. 
Jesus, I, I, I bring these, these prayers before you and I recognize that, that each person in this room has, has brought um, their prayer before you. But Lord, I just recognize right now that, that some of these prayers might just be really, really heavy. Or maybe you said that all of them are, but I mean, just recognize that um, these prayers are, are, are our longings. Um, Father, for, for those in this room that have that are really in a space of, of hurt, of pain, of, of confusion. Um, I just ask that your, the tangible weight of your glory, your presence would, would sit with them right now. They would know your nearness. They would know that you do see them. I, I just, I guess I recognize Zachariah and Elizabeth that you know it's from our side it's it's great that their prayer was answered but for how many years they had lifted this prayer before you and this and this difficulty that you called them righteous that you called them godly but at the same time that they didn't see their prayer answered for so many years and father I recognize that that there's there's friends in this room that, that have, have been praying this prayer for so long and have been wondering, Lord, why? Why haven't you responded yet? Why haven't you done something in this space yet? Why haven't I seen this breakthrough take place or this provision happen or this salvation take place? God, what's, where have you been? And so, Father, I guess it's just coming together and it's surrounding the loved ones of our community this morning coming together before you as a community and saying, Lord, let their prayer become our prayer right now in this moment and say, God, we, we long to see you answer these prayers. We long to see you answer them. We long to see you say yes and amen to them. We long to see that, that you would bring great joy and gladness. Jesus, I just ask that you would remember your people this morning. Lord, we pray that you continue to, to, to shape us and, 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 and form us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would do a work of transformation in our lives so that we would we would be encouraged filled with hope to see that that you have been up to something that you are up to something with us that you haven't left us you haven't abandoned us but you are very present with us and while we don't understand while we 
uh, don't fully know what you're up to, Lord, we still bring these prayers before you and believe that you are on the way because you have already arrived in so many incredible, magnificent ways in our lives already. So Lord, again, we pray, let heaven come. Let heaven come and let your will be done here. And Lord, we pray specifically this patch of dirt, this, this place, our heart, Lord, would your will be done here on this space of earth, we pray. And so we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.